Now, KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, Home Improvement KMOX. We are live and lively in Mike Miller's words. Uh, this is the Helitech Home Improvement Show. Stay tuned one more hour. I'm usually off the air here. Um, doing my things around the studio for another hour. But today, we're going up until 2.15, an hour from now, when the Ameren pregame show starts with Alex Ferrario. We've got the Mets and the Cardinals here at Bush Stadium. Big day in St. Louis. Tonight, we finish up 10, 10 p.m. Route 66 with Johnny Rabbit. You know, have any of you done the Route 66 uh, driving I mean, the whole thing. It's kind of cool. I, I go to Ted Drew's. I have an ice cream. I'm looking at the, you know, Johnny Rabbit special. Ron L's, you know, he has his own confection there. It's on old Route 66. Uh, you know, Highway 30, uh, old Gravoy was Route 66. Manchester used to be historic Route 66, depending upon when. Um, Highway 44 or, you know, the space, the the road that goes through the town of Pacific. I remember that as a child. Um, the three-lane, uh, some of you remember the, the suicide lanes. You know, you had one direction on, on one way, the other direction the other, and a shared passing lane in the center. I remember being six, seven, eight years old uh, driving down highway 66 going through there and you know that was it so anyway i'm getting a little more fired up about this historic route 66 because of a friend uh, uh really uh, re in um introduced me to it uh we've got phone lines 314-436-7900-436-7900 toll free 800-925-1120 uh, I invite you to call Mosby.com. That's a website that uh, actually is for my company, but it also ties together with this show. Uh, there is a search thing up at the very top. Uh, you've got interior, exterior, design, and architecture, and you've got the little search icon like the magnifying glass. You can type in any of these CAMOX questions, um, uh, siding, attic ventilation, uh, how to drain your pipes in the winter, uh, you know, how do you get the the air chambers refilled in your piping system uh, for, um, you know, a pipe hammer. Uh, All of those things over the last 20 years, I've been putting a lot of these written answers uh, because I'm not on the air all the time. And and frankly, our office isn't open all the time. And I think you should get your answer whenever it is you want it. Um, You know, your mind, you have a problem, you're you're trying to deal with that. Uh, So you can get into that on the callmosby.com website. Uh, also, we do have an exterior design seminar coming up here shortly, uh, July 22nd. It's Saturday, and um, you're, you're welcome to come along. Uh, let's get right to the phone lines here and see what's cooking here with Steve. Steve, good afternoon. Welcome to KMOX. How may I help you, my friend? Uh, yeah, I've got a question about to have had for some time, and we've lived in our house since 1977. Okay. But it started when I brought some rocks home from a nursery that were embedded in a creek, and it was for decoration, and it started creating a green. You talked about the green stuff growing on the side of the north side of the house and all that. It got me to thinking that maybe you can help me out because I can't seem to find the answers. I I get this moss. It's growing in the in the in the yard, and it keeps it forms a carpet-like material, and it chokes out the grass. Yep. And it just keeps going. Even in wintertime, I raked it all out with a special rake last year. And it came back again with a vengeance and said, I'll get you. Yeah. And 
I don't know what to do. I put moss killer on it. I put two hundred dollars worth of moss killer you buy like at the hardware stores and that. Yeah. And that that got rid of it a little bit, but it came right back. And I, I nobody seems to have an answer. The best answer I heard was somebody told me that um, my soil balance is all messed up, and I should be putting lime in my soil. Is and that's the best I can tell you. Well, this is a cross between uh, me, the Home Improvement Show, and Mike Miller, the Garden Hotline. But think about this, uh, uh, Steve. If uh, moss grows on the north side of a tree in the woods, that means it's it's typically not getting sunlight and it's typically getting persistent moisture. Uh, do you have tree cover and do you get sunlight in where this moss grows? Well, we bought some trees years ago from from a sunset plant land, which were nice trees and everything. But they're all big trees now. They're oak trees. They're pin oaks. Yep. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you, we took two trees out in the back because we had planted about five of them, and it, it, the grass just doesn't seem to want to grow. Now they did have a large. The, where we live in this subdivision, there was a large. Apparently, a long time ago, way before I was born a big creek that ran through there, and it was a wider creek bed than what it is now, but it's still a creek bed. And uh, so I've tried bringing in soil and doing things, and I can get rid of it for a while, but then it comes back again. And no, nobody seems to know, so I thought I'd give you a shot at it. You're just saying that I'm, it's, I'm not getting enough sunlight. I yeah. Uh, most commonly, uh, when you have a um, oh, an evergreen tree or a deciduous tree and the branches don't allow air and sunlight to get to the grass, then you're describing the perfect environment for moss. So trimming your trees up to a higher canopy, uh, getting more air in, and and if you don't get sun to that place, you know, you can go down to the botanical garden and, you know, take samples of your soil. They'll test them and tell, tell you what, you know, the pH of your soil is and what needs to happen. They'll do all that for you or take it to a garden center. They'll do that as well. And oh. But keep in mind that if you get the pH right, you have the greatest uh, uh, grass seed, but you don't get any sun, you know, you're going to have moss. That, that's it. Just like the north side of a tree. So I should just let the, I don't have to mow moss very well, very much, you know, like grass. So maybe it's a, right. it's a blessing in disguise. I don't know. But it's been like this, and it steadily got worse over the period of years. Yeah, it's... It just kept getting thicker and thicker, and then uh, that's all I can really tell you. But nobody seems to know the answer. So I got, what you're saying makes sense. That's That's for sure. Yeah, have you ever seen moss growing out in the middle of a field that gets lots of sunlight? Oh uh, well, I'm not a farmer. I, I like eating food, but I don't. I don't grow it too much. But <laughs> yeah, no. It direct sunlight will dry that and kill that moss. Um, and you know that's getting the right ecosystem going for your grass. But uh, yeah, you. Well, you, you, well now some of the other people in the neighborhood. We were in a cul-de-sac area, and there it's, it's kind of wooded. There they have pretty. They have a lot, but they don't seem to be having the moss. So I. One of my neighbors, he said, suggested, he said, well, I put down a ton of sweet lime, and that's what helped me a lot. Well, so that I may be know. the issue, but I would start with gathering the right scientific information, and that would be having a soil test either by a garden center or take it down to the botanical garden. But yeah. if, you're, if you're not testing and fixing a specific issue, you're just guessing. And, you know, you can get all kinds of things growing down there just putting stuff down willy-nilly. So... Uh, well, yeah, I, I agree. I, I uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about down around Tower Road Park down there, where they got the climate trial and all that. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, that sounds great. I'm glad you, you called me, and or I called you, but I'm, I'm glad that I got to talk to you about it because I really am kind of frustrated. I'm tired of raking it out of the yard. Well, just <laughs> so keep in mind, every system is perfectly aligned. Every uh-huh. system is perfectly aligned to get the results you're getting. Okay, well, that sounds good to me. It's a place to start. I'll let you know how it works out. How's that? Yes, sir. Thanks, Steve. Keep us surprised. All right, sir. Thank you for your time. All right. Bye now. Bye-bye. Home Improvement, KMOX. More to come. Now, KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, stay tuned for the Cardinals coming up here next. We've got the Ameren pregame show, Alex Ferrario, 2.15, about an hour from now. Stay tuned. And then at 3.10, the Cards and the New York Mets, Bush Stadium, home team, right, or home game right here. Uh, lots of things. 5 o'clock, Rick Edelman show, 7 p.m., KMOX Profiles, Tom Ackerman, Carol Daniel with some profiles. 10 p.m., Johnny Rabbit, Route 66. I love that show, and I love Ron Ells. He does, He he's... Been in my life uh, pretty much radio-wise as long as I remember, and he's worthy of it. Uh, I mean, few people can remain on the air for the time that Ron Ells has. I mean, think about that. Uh, anyway, let's see what's cooking here and talk in with talk. Check in with Al. Al Scott Mosby, Camwex. How may I help, sir? Hi, Scott. Enjoying your show. Uh, I'm looking at putting a privacy fence up, and I'm leaning towards a wood one, and I mm-hmm. want to. Red, eastern red cedar, I was told that it would be better. It's a harder wood than the western cedar. I just wanted to get your opinion on that. I was also wanting to use the red cedar post, 4 by 4 First off, um, uh, red cedar is ten, tends to be like the red cedar we have around St. Louis here, the eastern red cedar. Uh, it's a little more dense. It's a harder wood. It will split a little more than the softer western red cedar. Um, it's a beautiful wood. Um, do not bury it. it. It is not suitable for the posts. The posts have to be, in my opinion, treated lumber, treated yellow pine. Uh, you've got 20% or, or, uh, permeation and 40%. The 40% is the stuff that goes underground 20 you know treated lumber was made to be a wood house foundation that's who developed the wood and the uh, the reason for that if you're burying wood in my opinion you're burying the 0.040 or it's actually four percent but we call it 40 percent uh, that underground suitable soil uh, otherwise 8, 10, 12 years from now, your fence will fall down, even though the slats in your eastern red cedar will look fine. Uh, uh, it's just a, it's a very difficult word. It's, it's kind of like oak. It's a very hard wood compared to uh, western red cedar. Uh, but it's, it's like your um, uh, cedar lining, cedar closet. You know, that's what the stuff looks like, Al. Right. So what would you suggest, going with the re- western and using treated... 
post or no no again um it, it just depends what you're looking for the western red cedar will last about 18 years above the ground any of these fences need to have posts that are treated in my opinion uh that and even even the slat the horizontal two by fours two by sixes for these fence then you can build uh your eastern red cedar for the slats and it's just uh you know do you like blue or green which one is better you know so you're asking about two attractive wood uh, fences um, but keep in mind any wood fence has a life between 13 and 20 years depending on how much you know shade cover sun and air you get okay now i was told that the treated lumber today is not the same as the treated lumber it used to be they took the chemicals out of it. Uh, that's a fact. It's not arsenic-based. It used to be arsenic-based, the stuff that kills, you know, rot, but it also kills us. Uh, it's just not a suitable material. Now there's a, a copper-based uh, material that uh, it's it's still suitable for underground location. You're okay there. But the issue is when you use that new treated lumber, new meaning any time in the last five or six years since we stopped using arsenic, um, it'll eat up any fasteners unless they're perfect for that application or stainless steel. So you're going to, instead of spending $10 on fasteners, you're going to spend $30 on fasteners for treated lumber. Okay. But I guess the other option, you know, I was thinking about vinyl, but I'm just not crazy about, especially the white vinyl. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, everything has its advantage and dis, disadvantage. There's no one size fits all. It's just what you want your fence to look at. And keep in mind here, Al, privacy fences and fencing are a huge, huge, huge um, uh, permit issue. Uh, you want to get a code official at your house tomorrow. Uh, put up a fence without a permit because it has to do with drivers being able to see uh, property surveys. Uh, it's a big deal. One of the most contentious issues in codes is fencing. And then unincorporated in St. Louis? Amen, brother. There, There's no such... Well, let, let me put it this way. You can put a fence right up next to the street if you live on a corner and you can block the safety view of motorists. So I'm exaggerating to make that point, but that's where these fence um, uh, zoning ordinances came from. You putting up a fence on your own private property, you don't have the right to make our roads then unsafe. You know, you've got, and that's why they want these permits so that you're following the rules. There's a maximum height on it. Uh, it's a big deal. Start start with your um, uh, where do you live? Uh, Afton. Yeah, just, yeah, you're going to St. Louis County or go to Afton, go down on uh, Green Park Road, stop in there and say, do you have any ordinances? I'm, I'm going to put up a fence. Um, and, and they're on your side. You know, if you ask, they'll they'll bend over backwards to help you. It's like, no, we don't. Yes, we do. Here's a handout. It'll explain it or go down to St. Louis County. But give them a phone call or stop by and they will definitely, I mean, it's in their best interest that, you know, they're there to serve you. So they're, they're not going to stand in your way. They will... You know, but if you mess it up and you create an unsafe situation, they are not your friend. <laughs> okay. Now, what do you suggest as far as a good stain? I want to keep that thing looking the color. I don't want it to gray out. Oh, you're you're above my badge level now. When you get to eastern cedar, woo, um, you're almost into a clear stain material because you're you're talking about serious white wood, deep, deep, deep hues, red wood, all in the same board. Then you throw in a knot that's a third hardness. Um, you know, I would not do anything but a clear stain on that stuff because if you put pigments on it, 
all of the hardness of that lumber, the white pithy wood, P-I-T-H-Y, pithy wood, and the red base, you know, that has more um, sap in it, and then you get a, a, a knot in there. Holy smokes, you know, the same color stain on all three of those, you're going to have three different colors anyway. So you're above my badge level. I'd have to talk with one of our painters, and, and you're really into the chemistry. So I would start almost on this question with the paint store of somebody that really knows outdoor stains on that. I, I know a lot about painting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plead ignorance on this one. All righty. Well, thank you very much. Okay, I'll take care. Bye now. And there we go. I appreciate these questions. I have worked with Eastern Red Cedar. You know, I'm an old carpenter. I have worked with miles of Western Red Cedar. The oh, the difference being Eastern Red Cedar is what you and I might think of as Missouri Cedar. You know, so you cut down the cedar tree, it grows in very rocky areas, and it's a very deep red wood. And the white uh, uh softer part of that lumber is uh, more porous and very white, you know, almost um, kind of an ivory. uh, And then your western red cedar is what you and I might think of as a cedar-sided house. So it's an unusual cedar material. It's not often used for siding or decks because it's hard to get logs big enough to cut lumber out of. But it is it is a better material. It resists rotting more so than Western red cedar because it's a tighter lumber. Um, it, it's almost akin to, and I'm exaggerating a little bit, but akin to oak. Uh, anyway, I'm going to take a short pause, come back for more. We've got some good things talking about uh, new homes, bathroom demolition. So Rick and Bill, I'll get with you here in a little bit. Uh, Scott Mosby, home improvement. Folks, I am. Yours, and I am at your service on KMOX. Now, KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, more fun than we should be allowed to have. Scott Mosby here, uh, and certainly anybody who has questions during the week, you can go onto the callmosby.com website. On the top bar there, at the very top, uh, it has, there's a, you know, the search thing. If you do a search there, you'll come up with about 10 or 15 years of my answers typed in on pretty much any question you've heard here on KMOX. I just felt like there needed to be kind of a library or a place to search where you could solve or get the information for question or problems you're trying to solve uh, more than just on Saturday morning. So uh, certainly KMOX, we are at your service and I love doing this, you know, as close as I can face to face. Uh, This is something I enjoy. Well, let's see what's happening here with Rick. Rick, good afternoon. Welcome to KMOX. How can I help, sir? Hello, Rick. Did I put you to sleep there? No, I didn't catch my name at the beginning. Sorry. Yep, yep. Uh, I've... uh got a building project planned uh, in uh, basically in the uh, uh, Richmond Heights area uh, above the Creek War Park. Okay. And the soil there is something called wind-blown loose. And I think it's about uh, between 50 and 100 feet down to the bedrock uh, from the top of the hill, which I would be building near. Uh, are you familiar with that soil? And would you anticipate I'm going to have a problem? It's, I think it's, it was you know, farmland up until about 50 years ago. So it's, what's there is fairly stable. And I'm, but I'm going to be uh, probably about 50 feet back from the ridge line. Uh, this is above Creekport Park. Okay. That's expanded. 
And so I'm wondering uh, if any concerns about the stability of the soil. Oh, you bet. <laughs> you bet. If uh, You know when all the rainfall happens and you see pictures of houses sliding down the hill in California? This is exactly why, uh, because you wind up with solid soil, but if you don't have the water drainage right or you get unusual weather events, you start with this water runoff. The water runoff erodes and carries the soil as it carries the soil. It then undermines the structural you know, ability of the dirt to hold up a house, and you wind up with the house slipping down the hill. We've uh, consulted on projects where... Um, new homes had uh, swimming pools in the backyard and the swimming pool was sliding down the hill. So uh, streets, uh, whole streets, there's a concept called street creep where, you know, developers put in a subdivision and this whole concrete street is sliding down the hill. Gravity, you know, happens. So your concern over this for building, you know, putting an investment of a new home into it, you betcha, and and you're going to need the help of a soils engineer, somebody that understands all of what you're describing. Uh, so aside from designing the house, uh, I would then have uh, a structural engineer review the foundation with the report of a soil engineer because if you're, you know, in that kind of an issue – um, and, you know, and, and you're on a cliff. You're, you're basically, you know, in multi-soil condition uh, location. Not exactly a cliff, but it goes down. Uh, I'm at about 600-foot elevation, and it goes down to about 450 in the floodplain. Yeah. Uh, but I'm on the – I'm not going – I'm wanting to stay away from the back edge, but I want to be near enough to it that I can see out over the valley. Nice, nice. I, I love what you're doing with the whole thing. It and and beauty has you know access to beauty has a cost, and and you're going to need the help of a good soils engineer. It, yeah, they, uh, just to the northwest of there, they'd actually put houses on the back side of the hill there, which is what I think at one point in time used to be an old road that went down towards what had been a hotel down at the base of the hill, but above the lake at one point. Well, understand there are business risks that are um, taken by companies um, which will assume that risk, uh, but they already know, you know, they've already assessed the soils issue. Uh, you're in the same situation of a business risk, only it's for one home instead of maybe 200 homes. Um, but uh, you're, you're asking the right question at the right time, Rick, for sure. And, uh, you need, and you're going to, I would... If it were me, I would start with the soils engineer, uh, and he would tell me where to put the house. Likewise, your access to sewers, uh, if you're out and remote, if did you have access no, to? No, they're, they're, uh, all the utilities are along the front property line. Sweet, sweet. Well, then you're in good shape. Otherwise, you wind up with the the, the septic tank uh, engineer telling you where the house has to go too. So just keep in mind that sometimes in construction, you start from the middle of the project and work backwards and locating where the house is. Uh, and in this soil situation, I would most definitely suggest that as well. And it, it may save you some blasting costs too. You may get down there and, you know, find some boulders in some of those areas on those hillside locations. Uh, uh, I don't think so. But I think uh, there's at least 50 feet, maybe more of uh, this soil above the uh, rock. And I can see just a little bit, uh, to one side of me on the back side of the hill, I can see where I think it might have been a little bit of a quarry at one point in time. But it's yeah, uh, the uh, the layered 
what do you call it, sandstone or limestone is exposed there. Yeah, I, you're you're gonna. I would guess that what's ahead of you, Rick, is talk to a soils engineer. He's gonna ask to do some borings. They'll they'll bring out a boring, you know, a drilling um, machine, and they will they'll core test and they'll see what that material is down there, especially in something like that that it, you know could have been a landfill. I mean, if they landfilled it with a whole bunch of um, you know trees that rot, compress, and uh, no, I, I don't think. I think this was. Uh... Uh, the uh, old family house is uh, just a little bit southwest of me, yeah. and uh, uh, I think it had been farmland up until about 50 years ago when they built uh, a subdivision, uh, old farm uh, state subdivision uh, is okay. on the borders. It. Okay. Uh, rough idea. What would a what would a soil engineer cost me to uh, check that? Oh, pretty much a first, uh, just a first conversation is usually free for the first 15, 20 minutes by phone. If they come out to the site and do some soils, you know, tests, you know, you're going to have two to 3,000 in the engineering just for the opinion. And it may have a couple thousand dollars of boring as well. It's, you know, you're, it, it's not cheap to find out what's underground, you know. But if you don't, you're going to put, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on top of something that may not be able to hold it up. Okay, yeah, I'm not aware of any problems with any existing houses. This is about the last open spot up there. Yeah. So I'm not the, I'm not the uh, first dog to the uh, uh, food bowl. But, uh, well, the 30th lemming that jumped off the cliff following the lemmings um, didn't survive either. So make sure you're not following a crowd going the wrong way. Uh, that's kind of why I'm uh, trying to ask the question. Okay. Yeah, I, th I like where you're going, Rick. You're asking the right questions. I would just go ahead and invest in, you know, asking somebody who can give you a, a, a more definitive uh, opinion about what's underground. Can I call your office and get a name? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Feel free. Um, you bet. 314-909-1800. Uh, 314-909-1800. Yep. Anybody, anybody particular ask her or just tell them I'd talk to you on the radio and go from there? Uh, yeah, I'll tell you. Well, you can talk. Uh, there's a fellow named Bill Wakefield. Uh, he's been around um, a, a long time, and he knows most everybody in town. Um, and I would start with him, Bill Wakefield. Okay, got it. Thank okay. you very much. All right, Rick. Take care. Bye. Home Improvement, uh, Scott Mosby, KMOX. We've got uh, another 15 minutes to the top of the hour. We've got a little bit after 2 o'clock before we go to the Ameren pregame show. Alex Ferrario is just whizzing up on kind of, he's getting ready, just wearing all those hard drives, trying to get enough information to share with you some cool stuff about the baseball Cardinals. It, it's not that hard, but he goes back pretty deep. He digs deep. So stay tuned here. KMOX, lots of fun coming your way. Now, KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, we are wrapping up here, hour one. I'm going to get right to the phone line, see if I can uh, get to some of these questions here. Let's talk with Bill here. Hey, Bill, thanks for the call. How can I help? Hey, Scott, how are you doing today? Fantastic. How about you? Uh, well, I've been doing better. <laughs> okay, well, see if I can help you then. Hey, uh, okay, so like I'm in the beginning stages of a bathroom remodel. It's a, uh, about a 9 by 5 bathroom, you know, so it's small. Um, I'm, this week, coming week, I'm probably going to be taking out, trying to take out all the tile and that. But I noticed when I was down the basement looking at some of the pipes and that, 
that underneath the tub, the tub itself I could see was sitting on plywood, like half-inch plywood, uh, and then by where the flange is for the toilet, I'm looking at that, I could see the plywood, and then I couldn't figure out what this was, and then it looked like vinyl on top of it. Well, I've got apparently like about, I don't know, maybe an inch and a half of concrete or that self-leveler or something on the floor. Uh, uh, yeah. How old is your house, Bill? 1960. Oh, yeah, that's a mud-set uh, floor. You're, uh, you actually have a concrete slab, basically, about an inch and a half on top of that plywood. That's, you were right in between the old three-inch mud-set and, you know, cement board. So you're kind of a hybrid there. <laughs> Great. So, so my question is, uh, once I figure out what exactly I've got here, is I'm thinking about, well, taking a, getting small, you know, roto hammer or something and try and get this concrete out of here. Because I, it's all about my threshold and that uh, the tile that I want, I can't just lay on top of this because it will end up being way too high. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm just trying to figure out what I need to do. I mean, do can I just take the concrete out and go down to the plywood that's there, or do I need to actually go down and take the plywood out also uh, down to the uh, floor joists? No, no. I, I would go down to the plywood, inspect your plumbing, check out all the structure. Um, you know, you're, you're 19, that's a good house. You know, those are good bones. Uh, oh, yeah. So I would make sure you, everything is, is ship shape. And then you just build up the plywood. You just put more layers of um, plywood and your top layer would be an, an underlayment. And then below, on top of that, you might have a cement board or something like that suitable for the thickness of your ceramic top on the floor it's all about that make sure that you align properly with the toilet flange because your toilet flange is important and the door threshold is make sure you align but you know what mosby we'll we'll put an inch and a half of plywood on if we need to and we'll structure up all those corners and edges so that the edges of those new plywoods are, are really fully supported to the floor joists okay okay so basically uh, let me just kind of re so you would leave the you would take the concrete out, lay, yep. uh, leave the plywood that's there, put potentially new plywood in, and then concrete board on top of that. Yes, sir. Yeah, okay. it, yeah. In a gut remodel where you know where we have uh, suspicions about structure, I mean, if you can do it yourself, that's a that uh, the more comprehensive you make it, the longer this thing lasts. Right, right. Oh yeah. Well, I'm just you know whatever my lifetime is, that's what I'm looking for. You know. Oh yeah. Shelf life. Uh, so I've, I've got a kind of a, another question regarding that. So I'm going to have all the walls open up. So I was kind of wondering if it would make sense at the same time to replace the main stack and, and the toilet flange, you know, all of that. Because I've, I've got a plumber that's going to come in, and we kind of talked a little bit about it. But I, at the time, I said, well, maybe not, because I wasn't – I just at one point I decided not to open up the walls. But I'm going to take all the, the drywall off now. So yeah. That's too. The pipes, the one pipe, the main one, seems to be in fairly decent shape, uh, but my uh, smaller pipe in my kitchen, I mean, it's definitely rusting through and pitting bad, so at some point I'll have to replace that, I know. Yeah, absolutely. If you're uh, if you're putting in a real bathroom that lasts 50 years, uh, your cast iron pipe will not last 50 years more. So change that stack and all of that. Uh, you know, unless you can get to the back of the wall from a bedroom or something where you can change that stack later. But frankly, in my world, I I would uh, you know if I could afford it, I would change that stack for sure. Well, that that's 
that was kind of my thinking. It's like I got the wall open. You know, if I'm going to do it now, would be the time to do it. Absolutely. Yep. All you're doing is negotiating whether you rip out all that beautiful work ten years from now, and it'll break your heart. Yeah, yeah. So basically, with the plywood net, I'm just basically screwing that into the floor, and uh, the same way with the cement board net, right? Yes, and on the edges, you won't necessarily have the plywood fully supported, so make sure you block with two by fours or two by sixes between your floor joists, so that every edge of that plywood is supported. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Gotcha. And does it hurt to put glue down also? No problem with that. I'll glue and screw and tattoo in my dad's words. He used to say, yep, glue, screwed, and tattoo, and you'll be happy. I hear you. I hear you. Okay. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm all about doing it one time, and I don't want to hear any noise. So. Yep. Yep. You can ask questions ten times, but just do it once. Yep. I hear you. All right, man. Well, I appreciate your program. I appreciate your time, and uh, have a great day. Okay, Bill. Good luck, my friend. Uh-huh. Bye. All right. Bye. And let's see what's cooking here with Daryl. Hey, Daryl Scott Mosby, KMOX. How can I help, my friend? Good afternoon. I hope you got a minute here. I've got a, about a 75-year-old house in U-City, solid masonry construction. Going to be replacing the furnace and AC. Currently have a non-working humidifier on it and a non-working electronic air filter. Uh-huh. You know what I should uh, perhaps consider in replacing this unit? Or the whole system, I should say. Uh, Do you have good, well, number one, if you're replacing the unit and you're going to stay in that house, assess the ductwork as well because most attics are underventilated and most houses don't have enough return air in the heating and cooling system. So if you're going to that point um, and you're playing for keeps, then I would uh, look at the whole system because especially, you know, in U-City, you know, that's those are older housing stock and the engineering and knowledge 70 years ago is, you know, not the same. So I would assess your ductwork as well. One thing that you might consider, depending upon the old masonry, there is a um, high-pressure, small, round duct. It's a high-velocity high system um, that, um, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of the name of it, but it's, uh, it's engineered and it's made right here in St. Louis, um, but it's a really good system when you can't have room for big duct work. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I'm getting the idea. Is, is it, that would be something that might be used when you're putting an AC in the attic and to try to get additional cooling in the, say, second or upper floors? Uh, yeah, absolutely, because you don't have the ductwork for it. Um, this is more like running three and four inch plumbing pipes, flexible uh, ductwork, uh, and it's a very high pressure, high velocity, um, and it takes a lot of these, but you aren't running great big volume ductwork in. Oh my gosh, I'm having a senior moment. I'm sorry here. <laughs> Uh, golly. Uh, anyway, you can call my office, uh, but uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll remember this once we get right off the air here. Okay. Now, what happens to the existing ductwork? We have to tear it out, uh, you know, as I say, masonry walls? Yes, yes. You, you know, most of that gets abandoned, or you wind up running some of the new uh, pressure ductwork through that. Um, and, and there's just a lot of ways uh, to go about doing that. Um uh, Daryl, un- unfortunately, last year you could have done a geothermal system, and Uncle Sam would have paid for a third of it. Um, uh, this year, uh, are you, you're in U City, Missouri does not have uh, that system anymore. Ameren has some systems uh, or incentives for you that might help you as well. 
Um, but I would consider the, oh gosh, um, I would consider the, you know, I want to say Interco or, oh my gosh. Anyway, high pressure. Eight. I'm doing a search on callmosby.com here. Oh, <laughs> I heard it's supposed to be a pretty good reference source. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, no, it's coming up with different be on answers. the air. Yeah, I know. Anyway, <laughs> I, I want to say Interco. Interco. Um, I could probably do keyword searches if you can't find it right away there. Yeah, I'm not I'm not finding it. But the point is, is there's your uh, large ductwork, low velocity systems and then for some of these difficult historic homes uh, it's a high velocity smaller ductwork more pipe or port if you will um, and it works very well um, but it, it's a very limited number of contractors that will deal with it uh, and it's a premium system so it's not going to be inexpensive but if you're you know doing a good home and you want to do it right then you know inexpensive doesn't usually get you there yeah what about the uh, air filters the uv is that uh Pretty much uh, what's state-of-the-art now? or uh, It is. That's different. Uh, UV tends to be biological for mold and mildew and bacteria. Just the big um, uh, uh, accordion vent filter elements, five-inch thick uh, filters tend to be the thing. So anyway, uh, Daryl, I'm running out of time. I'm okay. going to have to drop you off here. Uh, uh, Carol, uh, Jim, Steve, and Carl, hold on. I'll catch you off the